Amen. Well, welcome to church. My name is Travis, lead pastor here at Antioch. So thankful to see you guys here on this Thanksgiving weekend. Hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving um, with with family, with friends, and uh, you know, as we as we. Uh, talk about the, the blessing of God here in just a moment. It so ties in with what we, what we think about for this weekend and uh, giving thanks. And, and often we, we give thanks for specific things that uh, bring us joy or that we're grateful for. And uh, that's right to do so, to express thanks and gratitude for those things. But I also think about the, the, the things in, in our lives that we wish weren't there, right? There, there are things and there, there's mixed bags of things that, uh, that, we, uh, that we sometimes don't enjoy or wish weren't there, uh, even in the simplicity of a, of a Thanksgiving weekend where uh, you're, you're experiencing some of the joys of family and you're also experiencing some of the, the rub of family, right? Or uh, we had a volleyball game with our family and that was fun in the backyard and, uh, and yet I'm pressing through the fact that we're playing in dust and dirt and it's all spewing up everywhere because we're in a two-year year process of redoing our backyard and shouldn't take that long. So I'm like, okay, grateful for the family playing volleyball, not thankful for everybody being filthy afterwards. Uh, You know, there are um, things that we're thankful for uh, and, and things that, that are hard. And even over the weekend, there's sports teams that you're cheering for that win, some that lose. Uh, there's, there's a win and loss ledger in life and, and we have all of those things. And yet when, we, when it comes down to it for the one that walks with God, what we're ultimately thankful for and what we try to, to wrap our minds around is just the goodness of his presence, that, that he is with us. And that while there are the ups and downs and wins and losses, that he is faithful and we can take it all in and not just have to try to count our blessings for these good, but just to realize we are blessed because we are his and because he is with us, and because he's faithful, and that we might be thankful not only on Thanksgiving weekend, but that we're able to just live in a place of gratitude because of who he is and all that he has done. And, and, and so he, he is so faithful. Uh, you know, we are... I'm sitting in a stool, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that, if you've if you're, uh, been with us. Well, I don't usually sit in a stool, but there's a reason for that. Because um, I, 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 really, I really get the sense this morning that there is something that God's wanting to communicate with us. And it's sometimes on a, a, a weekend like this, I'll, I'll pull a stool out because it feels a little more like the, the family pulling in together. The, the weekend of Thanksgiving is, is often one of the smaller weekends that we have as, in terms of a gathering. And so just kind of a family time. But beyond that, um, I, I just really get the sense that there's something that God wants to communicate from the depths of his heart to us as his kids. And while that's always true, I, I wanna take this morning uh, to, to express uh, maybe something specific on God's heart, a, a truth that we're aware of that we need to hear from a different perspective, a, a different a, a place of his heart that he wants to express these things. And so I bring out the stool. Partly that helps me stay a little more calm, though I, I often will maybe try to get up and then make myself stay um, because I just it's almost like a, a, a fireside chat in, in, the, in the living room of God or, or something like that where God wants to express some things to us. 
also uh, this morning wasn't originally slated to speak. And, uh, and, and anytime that happens and I end up up here uh, and like, okay, God, is there something specific? And, and, and I, again, felt that there was something specific that God had in his heart to express to us today. And so we get a bonus week in our series on revival. I'll remind us again that while the, the series Rhythm of Revival ends this week, at least that's what we said last week, and I think it's true this week, um, um, that doesn't mean uh, by, by any means uh, that we're not going to continue to press in to all that God is doing in terms of the, the revival stirrings of God, because there are things that he's doing, things that are bubbling up and many of you are experiencing and that we're excited about that will only continue on. Next week, we're planning to start a series on uh, good tidings of great joy and looking at the, the ways that God releases joy in, into the, the lives of, of his church and his people. And, uh, and so just continue to stir up what it is that God is pouring out. Uh, but today, it, it seems to me that there was one more message in the heart of God for us as a people as we specifically think about revival and ask God to pour out his spirit on us, to to to. to lavish us with his grace and his favor, um, that he would awaken our hearts, that as we cry out to him, uh, that, that he would move. As we recognize our own need and desperation, we repent of our own sin and the sin of our nation and just say, God, won't you move? Won't you come? I believe that there's one other thing that he wants to highlight today, that we might be a people that position ourselves well, that he might pour out his spirit upon us. And that really has been the focus of this series is what does it look like for us as the people of God to position ourselves before him in such a way that he might pour out his spirit at greater measure. And so, man, that, that's our heart. And I believe that that's God's heart as well. And so today we're going to be uh, beginning in Deuteronomy chapter 28. And the, the title of the message that I gave it this morning is God Commands a Blessing on Obedience. God Commands a Blessing on Obedience. So again, one of the things we're going to be talking about today is obedience. But I want to reiterate that there is a way that God wants to communicate that to us today. And, and I believe that that's important. That often, yeah, we, we know about obey, like we are to be, we're to be obedient, that we obey the commands of God and, and uh, we are charged to do so. We have a weekend like we did a few weeks ago at World Mandate and, and part of the, the focus is, man, we've, we've got to obey God to be on the edge of what he's doing and there's a rallying cry to do that. And that's good and it's right. Today, the, the focus of obedience is going to be um, not as much from the rallying cry perspective as it is from the, the father heart of God, uh, speaking to us as his kids and beckoning us to, to walk with him more deeply. So in this, God commands a blessing on obedience. I, I'm again stirred by this little phrase. It's, it's just kind of, it's kind of captured me. I've been doing a lot of thinking on it and reading in scripture uh, about the, the commanding of a blessing. And, and it's not something that's spoken of uh, often. We looked at it a couple of weeks ago because really the two areas that God, there's two, two main areas that God commands a blessing upon. And one of them is on unity. And that's what we talked about a couple of weeks ago where, where I, and I think we're going to be talking about that more in the new year, but where God commands a blessing 
on the, the unifying of, of his people. And, and, and then secondly, we see that God commands a blessing on obedience. And that, that phrase is just a little unique, God commanding a blessing. We're, we're familiar with the, the commands of God. We have the commands of God in scripture and not only like the 10 commandments, but different commands that were directives that as the people of God, this is the way we are to, to act and uh, to, to walk in life. But it's, uh, it's a little more unusual to think about God commanding a blessing. So he's commanding not a person, but a blessing to come upon a person or a people's. And, and so it is that, uh, that God would, would speak and that blessing or that favor, grace would, would follow and uh, follow a person or a group of people. And so what does it look like to be a people upon whom God commands a blessing? Because I, I know this as we explore to begin a little bit about what blessing is, that we want any blessing that God wants to pour out. Okay, so I want to look at it both in an Old Testament context and a New Testament context. There's different areas that we could look at in the Old Testament to look at um, the, the ways that God pours out his blessing or promises his blessing upon his people when they obey him. Uh, we're going to look at Deuteronomy chapter 28 as one of those places, uh, particularly because it's the, the, the place that it more, most clearly uses that phrase, God commands a blessing. But, um, but let's read this together. And uh, in verse uh, one of Deuteronomy 28, now it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall you be in the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall you be, shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before your face. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you, you set your hand. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself. Just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways, then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods in the fruit of your body, in the increase of your livestock, and in the produce of your ground, in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens to, to give the rain to your land in its season, to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. You shall be above only and not be beneath. If you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today and are careful to observe them. So you, you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. And so what, one of the things I want us to pick up from this passage of scripture is the lavish nature of the blessing of God. 
I mean, it, it goes into great detail over these 14 verses about the many ways that the people of God, the nation of Israel, will be blessed if they commit to following the ways of God. That the blessing will be poured out on them and it will, it will overtake them. It will, it, will be, it will be overwhelming to them how blessed they will be wherever they are, in the city, in the country, in the fruit of your, your fields, your livestock, and even in your own bodies. The fruitfulness of God will, will increase. Uh, you won't be in need. You will always have enough. Your enemies will flee from before you. I mean, every, every area is, is being, is being uh, covered here in terms of the blessing of the Lord over this nation uh, in, in this time period. And so we see just the lavish nature of the blessing of God. He's looking for a people who say, hey, I want to, uh, I want to obey and follow and I will pour out your blessings. And we see that in, in the history of Israel uh, throughout the Old Testament, that they, they flourish and thrive when, when they are obeying and walking with God. And sometimes we then read the, the story as it continues on and they're experiencing the blessing and favor of God, but a generation will pass away, a new one will come and all of a sudden there's people that are not obeying God and you're like, what? Did you guys not learn anything? Because it happens over and over and over again in this cycle uh, throughout the history of Israel. And we look at it and like, did you not so enjoy the blessing of God that, that you would then turn away from him? And, and one of the things I want us to notice because we're gonna see a shift in what the blessing of God, how, how it's described from the Old Testament into the New Testament, but the portion of it that remains is the portion of it that describes the presence of the Lord. And, and, and here it talks about the Lord establishing himself among them and establishing them as his people. And so it speaks of presence. There's another place in Leviticus chapter 26 that's another one of these lists of the blessings of God that spells out the, the blessing of his presence even more clearly. It says this in verse 11 and 12, I will put my dwelling place among you. I will walk among you and be your God and you will be my people. Always a sentiment of the, the blessing of God in the Old Testament is not only the provision that, that he will bring and, and the, the physical blessing, but also the spiritual blessing of his presence. It's always his, his presence that people have, have come to be, be drawn to that we see in, in the people of God. And, and, uh, and so it is, we, we, we understand as in the natural, like, like for us in, in our human relationships and, and, um, and as, as fathers, one of the, the stereotypical things that has been said over the decades um, about uh, uh, fathers that may be absent in the home where uh, they, they're, they're, even when they are, pre they're working a lot and even when they are present, they're emotionally un un disengaged and, um, and the, the, the stereotypical uh, response would be for, for whatever father or mother that's, that's uh, being emotionally absent would be, I'm just, I'm trying to provide for our family so we can have, everything I'm doing is, is for our family. Uh, and it's kind of this defense for a lack of presence. But what the family is saying and what we, what we see to be the, the truest and deepest need of the family is presence. Like we can do without all the extra stuff. We just want your presence. And, and so it is with God. Uh, that we want not just the, the stuff, the physical blessing, but what we realize at the end of the day is that we just want your presence. 
Even in the Old Testament, they recognized that when they were uh, finally given the opportunity to go in the promised land, but God said, but my presence will not go with you. They say, hey, we'll, we'll, we'll forsake the promised land then because we, want your, we value your presence. And, and this is the, the father's heart. The expression of God as father is so unique to, to any other uh, faith that has ever been expressed in, in, a, in a God, any other God that's ever been worshiped. N- none have ever, ha- no people have ever expressed the revelation of that God as father. And, and there, there is this revelation of the, the God as father that has become maybe commonplace for us, but is so unique And it's so incredible that the maker of heaven and earth would express himself to us as a loving father that pursues us and that is patient with us and comes to us is is incredible. And so it is, even as we talk about obeying God today, know this, that his heart is to pour out lavish blessing upon you. That he's just, he's asking Israel, won't you obey? Because my heart is to pour out blessing upon you. I don't want to have to come against you. But, but I, I don't want to have to, to, to stiff arm you. But if you continue to rebel or disobey in, in, in my grace towards you, I, I will not bless you so that you might in turn cry out to me to come. All right, and so, so I want us to, to, um, to think about this in Psalm 23, 6, to, to kind of continue off this idea of the presence of God. Uh, Psalm 23, 6, there was, again, an Old Testament understanding that the goodness, it says, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so we have here, um, again, this idea that God is a God who pursues us, and, and he pursues us um, with his presence, dwelling in the house of the Lord. It was in the house of the Lord uh, that, it was, that the, the presence of God was. And, and so the, the psalmist, David in this case, would, would cry out to be in the, in the house of the Lord because they longed for his presence. As New Testament followers of Jesus, we know that his presence is not relegated to this place, but as, a, as an individual, uh, one, we, we carry the, the presence of God, the spirit of God with us, but there's this longing for his presence, the blessing of his presence. And so we see kind of a, a convergence here as I want to take us into the New Testament. Because the New Testament, one thing we understand about the, the New Covenant is that it's always greater than the Old Covenant. It, there, there's always more. Sometimes it asks more of us in terms of character and how we walk with God. Uh, the blessings are always greater in the New Covenant um, and because Jesus came to, to fulfill the law. He didn't come to abolish it. He came to fulfill it. And, and then on, on top of that, he, he, he challenges us with what it really looks like from the heart because the New Covenant is, is something that's established in the heart. And so what does it look like to walk it out? And so one of the things I want to encourage us with today is that the blessing that we find in the new covenant is even greater than the blessing that we find promised in the, in the old covenant. And so we, we begin marrying these two things together. And I, I want to I read this out of Romans 8, 32. 
Romans 8 is an incredible passage of scripture, and in the seven or eight verses surrounding verse 32, it's talking about if God is for us, who, who can be against us? You know, there, there's nothing that can come against us. Well, right in the middle of this passage, um, we, we have verse 32 here that says this, he, God, who did not spare his own son, Jesus, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things. Okay, let me read that one more time. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Paul, the author of this letter to the Romans here is considering, he's thinking on the, the gift of Jesus, that, that Jesus' life was given up for us, that, that God so loved the world that he gave up his only son, that, that whoever believes in him would experience life. He, he's kind of being, he's overcome with this reality that God, the God of the universe, would, would give up his infinitely worthy son that we might experience life. And he's like, if God would do that, if he would give us that gift, is there not anything that he would not graciously give us? Would he not graciously give us anything and everything? Because there is no greater gift. Any other gift that he gives us would pale in comparison to the gift of his son that afforded us life forevermore. And so will he not abundantly and graciously give us everything? And, and so there's this reality of the blessing of God, that this is his heart to pour out lavishly his blessing upon us. Again, at the center and apex of God's blessing is the presence and person of God himself that we're running after. And, and we begin to get this picture in probably no other place uh, that we could greater see it than in Matthew chapter five of the, the blessing that is more spelled out in the New Testament. Okay, and the blessing that we find in the New Testament is more eternal in perspective. It's beyond the here and now, which makes it far greater because the here and now is so short-lived. It is so temporary. It comes today and is gone tomorrow. And so the blessing of the new covenant because of what Jesus did on the cross is a blessing that's poured out forevermore. Okay, and so we see this blessing poured out that is a blessing for us to receive. And Matthew chapter five is the, is the Beatitudes where Jesus literally is spelling out, blessed are you if, right? And so there's really no greater place to say, what does it look like to not only be blessed, what does that blessing look like? But as we turn the corner here also to hearing, what does it look like to, to be in a place of receiving blessing? That is to be in a place of obedience, what does it look like to be in a place of obedience that God might pour out his blessing upon us? So in Matthew chapter five, we're just gonna read through these beatitudes. Beginning in verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So the blessings, though lavish in nature as they were in the Old Testament, are described a little differently. There's a greater eternal perspective on the blessings that are being poured out in things like the, the blessing is the kingdom of heaven will be yours. The, the blessing is, is comfort. The blessing is inheriting the earth. The blessing is right standing with God. The blessing is receiving mercy. The blessing is seeing God, being called children of God. This is the blessing that God is pouring out. And the place of obedience is coming to him in, in humility, is coming to him with a hunger, is coming to him for, for mercy, is operating in purity of heart, is being one who seeks peace, who seeks unity. These are, the, these are the places of obedience that command the blessing of God, that God will then reveal himself to us. Maybe the most telling one that, that shows us a little the, the discrepancy or the transition of the blessing from old covenant into new covenant is, is there in, in verse 10 and 11. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. So if I were to have asked you guys, Describe, to describe to me what it looks like to be blessed. Describe to me a blessed person. There are many different ways that's described. It may not be high on the list that you would describe somebody who is blessed, somebody you see in your life right now that's blessed, and you would describe them by this. Well, they're being persecuted. They're often insulted. Oftentimes, there's all kinds of evil that is being spoken against them because of Jesus. But that's the, the, the New Testament description of one who is blessed. Blessed are you when you are spoken evil against because of me. When people misunderstand you, when they falsely accuse you, when you experience persecution, you're blessed. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven. Great is your reward in heaven there is this heavenly, eternal reality that as the New Testament believer, we are commanded or we, we have, that we have to interact with. We, we have to interact with the fact that we are not living for what this world can offer us, but that we are living for something so much greater. And we've got to, to kind of lasso that somehow and bring that reality that seems so far off and so distant into our present everyday lives. The reality that we are, we are living for, for eternity. We, we've got to, to, to think about what does it look like for us to live with eternity in mind. And when we can, it begins to shape the way that we live our everyday so again, we have a God who has pursued us with loving kindness, 
who um, has revealed himself as father and who asks us to obey the commands that he's given us. I wanna give us a little encouragement again in how as a son or daughter, we are motivated to obey the commands of the Lord. Because sometimes we can hear obeying a command and feel like, man, that's, that's a little, it's a little hard to, to walk out over, over time. You know, we obey a command. And it's like, well, I, I taught my dog to obey commands. You know, but, but there's this, what does that look like in, in relationship with God the Father? Well, well, we know that his love was lavished out upon us. And our only response to God's great love for us is to love him in return. You know, even as Paul is, is overwhelmed with the, the fact that Jesus's life was given for us. In that place, our, our only response is, God, we wanna love you in return. We're told that he loved us first, that while we were still sinners, that he demonstrated love for us through sending Jesus to die. So, so there's this expression of love before we ever loved him, that he decided to express love, not demand love from us and take it from us and say, you have to obey these things, but no, I'm going to express love to you. And the only right response to the expression of love is the, the reciprocation of love. And, and that takes the form of worship. It takes the form of obedience. One of the places that that is, is spelled out for us is, is in John 14, 21, where it, it says, those, Jesus says, those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love, the, and I will love them and re reveal myself to each of them. So we have this link between the, the obeying of commands and love. The, the, the way that we express love, that we respond in love to the Father, is through obedience. It, it's just the expression of love it, 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 as, uh, to the Father. God, what, whatever you have in your heart, we want to be about those things. And so we express love through obedience. And in the end, we again come back to the blessing. I will love them and reveal myself to them. I will be present. There will be a revelation of my, of my nearness to them. And so it, it comes back to that place of the greatest blessing is his presence, is a revelation of who he is. And, and can I tell you this? God today, in this place, in your life, in this church, in this nation, in our world, he, he longs to pour out blessing. The, the, the small part of that, that, that I, as, a, as an earthly father, get to play in depicting the Father's heart is, is, is found in my desire to pour out blessing on my kids. I don't always know how to do that perfectly. Sometimes maybe the, the blessing that we try to pour out on them, as I shared in the example earlier, it actually doesn't end up helping them because they, they, what they need is more of my presence or whatever it is, but, but my heart as a father is that my kids would be blessed by me and that they would receive a blessing from, from their father. And do you know that that's God's heart towards you? 
is to pour out his blessing upon you. And, and, and that's why he, he beckons us to come and to obey because he's looking for a people who will choose to obey that he might bless them, that he might entrust them with the blessing of heaven. And so one of the ways that we want to respond today is by actually, and I'm going to give you some time to do this here in a minute, actually saying, God, what is the place of obedience for me to walk out in today? That we would begin to activate the blessing of God because we're getting back to the roots of being a people who live in obedience to God. And in that place, finding God commanding a blessing upon us as his people, because that's his desire, is to pour out his blessing. We, we don't want to shy away from his blessing when the Father has blessing that he wants to pour out, when he wants to reveal the kingdom, when he wants us to be known as the children of God, when he wants us to, to, walk, to, to, to experience right standing with him. That's the blessing of God that he, we want him to pour out. But he's, he's looking for obedience. One of the places that... Um, that I think God wants to highlight this morning, and this probably isn't for everybody in the room, but I just I haven't been able to get away from it and in thinking about it and, and the the commanding of God and blessing on the obedience is, is out of Malachi three. And so again we have this Old Testament passage, but it's it's challenging this place of, of obedience. Um, and and it, it relates it to the character of God and it's serious. And I just want us to feel that, that there's something of a, of a seriousness where God is saying, hey, I, I'm calling you into the family room here today because I really want you to know this. And we can do the pep rally thing and go get them and reach this and that, but, but, but really it comes down to, hey, do you, do you trust me and will you obey me? Will you, will you be a people that does that? Because if, if you can't do that, revival is going to be long in coming. And in Malachi 3, it uses some pretty descriptive language. It, it, it says, will a mere mortal rob God? This is God saying, will a mere mortal rob God? And immediately there's the fear of the Lord. It's like, oh, I hope not. I hope that's not me. I hope, I hope I'm not in, in a position where God would consider me to be robbing him. And, and God says, yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And he says, in tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. And a curse in the Old Testament is the opposite of the blessing. You're going to be blessed, you're going to be cursed. And he says, your whole nation is under a curse because you're robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Do you hear again the, the lavish nature of God in that statement? Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room for it, that it will be overwhelming to you. This is the, the desire of God. Test me in this. This is my heart. If only I would find a people that would obey. 
Now, this is just one such example, and, and I'll, I'll talk about it briefly. This is talking specifically about the tithes and the offerings, the giving of, of, our, of our resources to God, which the, the, the entire scripture is filled with being a people that is generous towards God. We could talk about the tithe. We could spend a whole sermon or series on that. And, and I believe, uh, much like the, a, lot of, a lot of other truths in the Old Testament into the New Testament, that the tithe is only the beginning, you know, that, that t- the tithe is the giving of 10% of, of what you, you have and what you earn back to God as a place of worship, as an offering of the first fruits, an acknowledgement that everything we have is God's. You know, there's so many things that the tithe does and what it expresses. But, but for us as a New Testament believer, uh, that's only the base for us. The, the New Testament talks about being rich in generosity. Jesus t- tells a parable and a, a man is condemned for not being rich towards God. He's storing up for himself and not being rich towards God. Jesus is the one that, that tells the rich young ruler to go and sell everything and follow me. There, there is a, an upping in the game in the New Testament when it comes to giving. And so um, the tithe is the beginning. And, and I think one of the, the places that hits me in a sober fashion is um, I've just recently saw some statistics on tithing in the church and and what it has been in previous generations and what it is today. And I actually experienced a little bit of the fear of the Lord on us as a a generation, where, where, where previous generations and some of even the older generations now have come into an alignment with the, we, we, we give to God. And that, that action, that response, that place of worship has seen a major decline in, in, in the church in the West um, in, uh, over the past decade plus and is seeing continual decline. And, and for me, it, it's not a matter of like, oh, is the church going to have enough or this or that? Like God will always resource uh, his, his people and, and his church. But it, the, the fear of the Lord and the concern comes uh, for us as individuals who choose to either obey God or not, and for us collectively as a church, are we going to be a people that trust and obey God? Because when it comes to finances, that's a, that's a, it's, it's a great example because it's a hard place of obedience. It, it's a hard place of obedience. It's the kind of thing where it's like, uh, I... I don't know if I want to hear God on this, like on, on the giving thing. Like I, I don't, I, I, I've felt that before where I've, I've been challenged to pray about giving to something. I'm like, I don't know if I want to pray about that because I don't want to end up having to give to that. Like, I, you know, I don't know if I want to hear. In, in my own life right now and in, in over the last four to six weeks, continuing to, to even this moment, uh, um, God has been, challenging me in an area of, of obeying or, or trusting when it comes to, to comfort. Um, and I know that we all would rather be comfortable than uncomfortable, but I, I, it's been, a, for, for me, a, a place where God has, has, in a fresh way, been pressing in on, like, hey, are you just choosing comfort? Are you, are you go, kind of going and trying to avoid the struggle, trying to avoid the pain uh, of, of, of obedience? Not only a specific obedience, but just like, I don't know if I want to hear God on even what I need to obey. Because the challenge here for us today is that there are things that God has for us to obey that we, we're not even aware of. 
And it's not just that we have been specifically disobedient, but we're not living in a lifestyle of obedience. We've kind of gotten in a, a rut. This is how I live the Christian life. These are the things I do. And this is, so I just kind of, that's, that's my obedience. But don't you know that there's always new things that God is speaking in ways that he's leading us and he's looking for us to step out in places of faith. And those are hard. Some of those things are like, God, I don't, I don't know if I want to hear about how you want to bring me into places out of my comfort zone or where there will be struggle or where there will be strain or, or, or somebody not liking me or being misunderstood or, or, or a financial pinch or whatever it might be. Like, God, I'd rather just be comfortable in all those things and serve you. But that's not, that's not always what it looks like. In fact, it is right and good for us to be in places where if God doesn't come through, we're gonna fall on our face. Because if we're not in those places, then if God doesn't come through, we're just fine. Which means we're living on self-reliance and self-strength. And that's not the place we wanna live. And so there's these places, whether it's the tithe, giving, living in generosity, being rich towards God, whether it's saying, God, I trust you to, to lead me, whether it's, even if it's painful or uncomfortable, or people say that, like, God, just lead me, I trust you. How do you want me to obey you? That there would be nothing that would keep me from obeying. Because that's my expression of love. It's my expression of trust. That's what the tithe is. I trust you, God. That's what's saying, God, whatever it is, I trust you. Because it's so dumb. And I could tell myself that all day in my mind. It's dumb. God knows what's best for me. And yet I'm like, but, but God, are you gonna, is it going to be, is it going to be hard? Is it going to, am I going to be the bad guy? Am I, you know, what's it like, what? And, and like, no, God, I give it to you again. And I say yes to you, whatever you, you say. I, and I just, I throw off that hindrance towards obedience, towards love, towards trust. And so he's inviting us into that place today to express love to him. So I'm gonna give you a moment here. I'm gonna give you a moment and just invite you to close your eyes. And while there are bigger areas, maybe like the, the one that I just shared about comfort or this or that, just like, God, I gotta remove the barriers to obedience. I believe there's also some specific things. And, and well, I'm just saying a specific thing, at least just, just one thing that God would want to, sh to speak to you today to obey, just to activate obedience. So I'm just going to give you a minute here just to ask God. Say, God, what, what, what can I, what, how can I obey you? Can you give me something where I could just walk out in obedience in the next 24, 48 hours? I can obey. I can make the phone call. I can do the thing I've been dragging my feet and doing. I can call the person that you're just highlighting for me, maybe to share the gospel with. And I can go ahead and just, I'm gonna pull the trigger on that. I'm gonna obey. Can, this, can we just take that, that moment and just allow God to speak? Because I believe that there are things in his heart for us to obey.
just want to invite you to stand with me. And as God's been laying some things perhaps on your heart, I want to invite you to take the next step. And the next step is, um, is walking out in it, is bringing him your obedience. And so as we have been in this series, we've often been referring to this front area as an altar where we come and we bring our sacrifice. And at times, obedience takes a sacrifice. There's a place of, there is a place of trust. There is a place of laying down our own lives, our own agenda, and saying, God, I just wanna, I wanna obey. And so if there's something in you that's just is even, maybe even a grieving in your heart for ways that you haven't been uh, on just the, the edge of, a, of obedience, or you've just kind of been going through the motions, you love God and everything, but he's calling you back to this place of like, I wanna be one who obeys God, who hears God, believes him, trusts him, and obeys him. I believe there's a place for you to just respond today and say, God, here I am. I'm giving you that offering. Maybe some of you need to step out right now and make the phone call. And maybe, maybe that's your step of obedience and you're like, if I don't do it right now, then it may not happen. You feel free to do that. Our ministry team members are gonna be up on, on the side of the rooms. If you need prayer for something, maybe it's around this area of what God's... Um, giving you to, to obey. We'd love to pray for you. Maybe there's some, some other burden that you're carrying. We, we would love to pray for you. Please don't leave this place carrying that burden without receiving prayer. God wants to meet you in that place of prayer and um, he wants to bring other people into your boat in that way. And also I'd say if there are people in the room today, which I know there are, that this morning we're hearing some about God's heart how he's a father, how he loves, how he desires to bring blessing on your life. You realize this morning that you don't know him. You don't know that God. And there's something stirring in you to know him, to come to know him. We would love to talk with you today because his arms are open wide. His desire, his longing is that you would know him. And we'd love to talk with you and pray for you. Again, some of our ministry team members will be on the side and we'd love to, to chat with you. But let's, not one of us, leave this place today without responding to God. The front's open. Let's come and, and uh, give ourselves fully.